think that's where a lot of believers find themselves, waiting on the world to change around them, and it is changing around them. It's just not coming to them. It's moving away from us. Instead of the, the, the kind of change you, most of you and I would desire. Um, I got to thinking this past week about... Okay. Um, got to thinking about the change that's occurred in just in my young lifetime. I'm really young. Just in my lifetime, I've seen uh, color TV, microwave oven, the invention of the computer, of the internet. That's pretty drastic. Uh, mobile phones, arthroscopic surgery, uh, bone uh, joint replacement surgery. My lifetime, uh, chemotherapy, radiation treatment, <laughs> bottled water. Never thought I'd see bottled water. And people pay for bottled water. Electric cars, drones. These churches, we retrofitted it recently with all LED lights. Uh, it's amazing the change, just in your lifetime, in my lifetime, the change has occurred. And the only thing that's it's been said again and again, it's constant, is change. It's switching directions. Is thinking, well, here, here we go. No, we're heading in this direction. Okay, be here for a while. No, heading in this direction. Okay, be here for a while. No, heading over here. And sometimes God does that with us just to get our attention to say, are you listening? Are you following? Are you with me? I think oftentimes he allows curveballs to come into our life for us to stop in our tracks and say, oh, didn't see that coming. Where are we going now? Where are you up to now, God? And so as we think about this idea of change, we started this, this, uh, this passage last week from Matthew 19. And, and if you want to turn there, in God's conversation with this young man who comes up to, to ask him some questions about life and about what it means to, 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 to live a perfect life, to, 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 to be in favor with God, to, to have God's favor and, and have him shine on you. And so here's this discourse here in, in Matthew 19, verses 16 to 30. Join with me and follow along here. Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones, he inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother, and love your neighbors yourself. All these I've kept, the young man said, what do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly, I tell you, it is hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with people, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Peter answered, we've left everything to follow you. What will be there for us? Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. A lot of twists and turns in this conversation, but we're 
God is talking, or Jesus is talking to the young man and to the disciples as well. And I want us to look at this idea of, this morning of transformational change, which is what this conversation is really all about at, at its core. We looked in week one about changing our heads, our hearts, and our habits. How when we do that, we, we can see tra- uh, transformation start to occur. In week two, we talked about being better or being bitter and the choice we have, the transformational choice we have between those two things. The third week, we looked at this idea of being reframed, repackaged basically, or renewed from the inside out and how that's transformational as well. And then last week, we looked at this, this choice we have between goodness and grace. How many of us still have scales in our minds? Am I good enough for God to like me? Am I good enough to be okay with him? And, and missing the idea of grace. But the thing that's constant in every, in every bit of transformation, whether major or minor, whether it's in the life of a teenager or in the life that's somebody that's 100 years old, change is what God is up to in us to see, to see in us, not just change for change's sake, but changing ourselves, our mindset, our thinking into his likeness, into his way. So this conversation is about that this morning. And I want you to look at these four things from this text today. First of all is this. Transformational change begins by destroying the list and learning to listen. It begins by destroying the list and learning to listen. Look at 19 and 20 with me again. Uh, he says here, honor your father. Do not commit murder. Here's, here's the commandments. Love your neighbors yourself. All these I've kept, he says. What do I still like? Love your neighbor as yourself. All these I've kept. Jesus rattles off five of the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, and then one of the greatest commandments, love your neighbor as yourself, the other greatest one, being love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, from Leviticus chapter 19. And this guy's checking boxes as Jesus says, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false testimony. I see this guy saying, yeah, got that, got that, got that. He's going down the list, and he misses the most significant part of the list. And he says, love your neighbor as yourself. What? Yeah, love your neighbor as yourself. He blows right by love your neighbor because he's too busy checking the list off and feel, feel like I'm pretty good there. I'm pretty good there. I'm good here. I'm good here. Kept that one. Kept that one. I'm in line. And sadly, where most believers find themselves, many believers find themselves, maybe not most, but many find themselves is carrying the list around in their head to say, yep, okay there. Know some scripture. Know a few songs. Know some money in the plate. Talk to somebody about church occasionally. I mean, uh, I, you know, we pray over meals at Thanksgiving and Christmas. We're, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm good, aren't I? And God said, it's not about a list. It's not about carrying around a list in your mind and checking things off <coughs> one at a time because lists have this, have this way of making us feel more significant about ourselves than we should and better or, or worse about ourselves than we should because the enemy can use the list just like you can. The enemy can, can bring the list into your mind to say, here's what you're not. Those three things you are, but here's 25 that you're not. He has a way of using that against us. This, 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 this young guy was so busy checking boxes that he missed in, in, in his mind. Jesus blew right by this idea of love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, he's trying to get across to him that real change here is about selflessness. That's what real change looks like. Self, sell your possessions. Give to the poor. Leave everything. Come follow me. Leave, leave, leave the life you want to find the life you need. Leave the life you think you, you desired all these years to find real life in me. So I think that's what he's saying. So this idea of, of selflessness is, is what, the, what really all the law was designed to show the Jew who, who they were, who they weren't, 
what they couldn't do and how, how badly they needed God to, to, to fill in the voids of where I'm not and how, how, how I can't be this, this, this legal person that, I, that the law, I think, has designed me to be. So this idea of, of destroying the list and learning to listen has everything to do with getting beyond uh, checking off a bunch of boxes with God and everything to do with listening to the power of His Spirit as His Spirit connects our minds and hearts to His Word. If we learn to listen to His Spirit and connect His Spirit to His Word, we'll start to see God unfold for us a side of Him that we've never seen before. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago as, as it related to our walking in maturity with Him, to walking in a deeper place, getting out of the shallow end and walking into, into deeper water with Him. That's what destroying the list and learning how to listen to the power of His Spirit as it connects the Spirit and Word to us is all about. Uh, I wonder about myself and probably about all of us what our busyness, what our what our pursuits, what our striving has done for us in terms of what we've missed God saying, what we've missed seeing that he's trying to bring across our path. And even more consequential than that is what we've had, the things we've missed in, in what we could have said or, or could have been or done to someone else that bears eternity with them, that could have made an eternal difference in their life. As I think about what I've wanted for myself and what we've wanted for ourselves, there's nothing evil about wanting to better yourself and have a better life and, and, and feel good about your walk with Christ. Nothing evil about that at all. In fact, a lot good with that. But at what expense? At the expense of our focusing on ourselves, have we missed those around us that God wants us to see, share with, get to know, build a relationship with, bring, to the, bring into the kingdom? I wonder if that's been the case for me and if that case, if that significance has made an eternal difference, good or bad, in someone else. Leave the list behind and learn to listen. Second thing is this. Transformational change, not only destroying the list and learning to listen, but it is found in redefining our values. It's found in redefining our values. Look at 21. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. You'll have treasure where it matters. Jesus here issues the greatest challenge this young man has ever faced because as, as we found in the story, he had great wealth. And his, his, his point here is to transfer values from this life to the next one. To transfer what we think is important here and see more importance there rather than here. That's what he's trying to do in this conversation with this young man. And see, He's saying in essence, if you still want to check every box, if you're still trying to be perfect, as he said here, he said in verse 20 or 21, if you're still trying to check every box, you're missing me in checking every box. Not only, not only are you missing me, you're consumed with the here instead of preparing for the there. He said that's significant. Here's why that's significant for most of us, because I would, I would dare say most of us sitting in this room today, and, and I stand guilty many, many times myself, are more prepared for what happens here than what happens there. Most of you have a 401k or some kind of retirement plan for your, for your retirement. Nothing bad. Don't, don't go sell it and get rid of it. Cash it out today. Most of us have uh, health insurance, life insurance. Some have a lot, of, a lot of life insurance. Nothing evil or bad about that. Most of us have car insurance, homeowners. Nothing evil with any of those things. But as I start to assess my life and the things I've prepared for and where I've prepared for them, I'm more prepared for here than there. And he's saying to this young man, that's, that's the wrong picture to have. Our, our, what we lay up, the treasures we lay up ought to be for there instead of here. 
And I wonder what the story of our lives this morning, each and every one of us, are telling about ourselves. Are we more caught up in here or there? Are we more concerned and consumed with how people see us here than how he will see us there? It's a sobering sobering thing for each of us, and was for this young man in this story. But he even goes so far as to say, uh, what kind of picture, what kind of things are we valuing? What kind of picture are we painting that our lives are painting, even as it relates to family? Now look at verse 29. Jump down to 29, 29 with me. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields. Is he saying that my walk with him and my, my thoughts about there rather than here should even supersede my relationship with my family? He said that. I did. My children, my spouse, that's what he said, not me. So is he serious about that? He's deadly serious about it. He means it because most of us are find ourselves, sadly, consumed with us and ours and me and mine. And there's nothing evil about, evil about loving your family. Care for your family. Prepare for, uh, make preparation for them. But if that's, if that's the end game for us, there's something wrong with that picture. He's saying the end game ought to be me. The end game ought to be the treasure in heaven, not the treasure here. How you're prepared for there. Not here. What you've laid up there instead of what you've accumulated here. And I, I, I don't know how many of us stack up with that. Uh, so I guess it comes down to what we treasure the most. Us and ours here or him and his there. Kind of sobering stuff even as it relates to family that he points out to this young man in this story. That's certainly redefining values for sure. Thirdly, Transformational change begins by destroying the list. Learning to listen is found in redefining our values. But thirdly, transformational change is in the impossible becoming possible. Look at verses 25 and 26. He says here, when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Meaning, in essence, we thought this guy's life is blessed because God favors him. We thought God's God's shining on this guy because he's he's got great wealth. That was a cultural thing then. It's a cultural thing. Now, look at verse 26. Jesus looked at them and said, with people, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. It's obvious by the the disciples' question in verse 25 that they still had the scales in their head. We talked about walking around with the scales, the goodness and badness scales in our life last week. And it's obvious by their question, they've still got the goodness scale in their mind. They're still walking around thinking, but this guy looks good. In fact, he's done good. He's practiced this, practiced his faith. God's blessed it for, uh, seemingly for practicing, practicing his faith with, with faith with, with great wealth. Is if this guy doesn't get in, who in the world can get in? If it's not about him, then where did the rest of us stand? And that tells us there's scales in their mind still. There's this goodness and badness scale that, that the enemy's trying to use in their mind, and they're, they're still consumed with the list. With, yeah, I'm this, and I'm this, and I've done this, and gone here, and I've shown love there. And so what does that tell us? It tells us that transformational change is something that's not natural because here's, here are 12 guys that walked three and a half years with this guy. They walked with him, every, that left everything to walk with him. And they've still not digested what transformational change is all about. They've still got the scales in their head. They've still got the list in their mind. And he's not gotten through to them yet because the question begs, if not him, what happens to In fact, Peter asked, what happens to us? We've left everything to follow you. What happens to us? They've still got this, this, this goodness scale in their mind and the things they value. And uh, this, this 
it, it, as I said a moment ago, it's, it is not a natural mindset. It is learned, taught, discipled, disciplined behavior that you and I have to find ourselves getting to that place. Now, as we saw several weeks ago in Romans 12 too, this, this, we, when we transform our mind, our actions and our will follows that uh, mental transformational change. And that's what he's trying to get across to the 12 to say, you've left everything to follow me and you're gonna, you, you'll be redeemed for it. Maybe not here, but you'll see the blessing for following me there, as he says in verse, uh, verse 25 and 26. Now, this, this idea of transformational change is about changing the things I want every day, the, th- the things I value every day. And if that's learned behavior, then learning to leave this world behind as I look in the mirror every day and say, today, I want to be the guy God's called me to be. I want to be the man he's called me to be, the woman he's called me to be, the husband he's called me to be, the wife he's called me to be. I want to value that every day. That has to be the desire of our heart for that to happen. But God also is involved in that. That's why he says in this passage, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. As you look at your life and think, I can never leave the list behind. Yes, you can. Not on your own strength. But in the strength he provides, you can let the list, you can lay the list down and let it go a day at a time. I do that Monday. I lay the list down Monday out of my head. I get beyond the checking off boxes, and I want to walk in the, in the power of his spirit. Tuesday, I get up, look in the mirror. I lay the list down Tuesday. I want to walk in the power of his spirit. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I forget it. I, I pick the list up again. Saturday, I pick the list up again. See, this is a process of learned behavior. And the more I lay the, the list down and lay the legalism down and lay, lay, lay my own earthly value system down and pick up his, the easier it is to do that. We, you and I are habitual people. We follow ourselves in habits. That's why change is so hard for us. We follow the same habits every day. And the more I want to do what God wants me to do, the more I want to experience transformational change in my life, the more I'll experience it day after day after day. And you turn four into five and six into eight and 10 into 12, and it starts to be easier. And 12 into 20 starts to be easier. And 20 into 50 starts to be much easier. But this process of, I'm experiencing transformation. I'm not seeing through the same lens I used to see, see through. I'm not treasuring the things here that I used to treasure. My value system is changing. Why? Because I, I wanted it to a day at a time. Now, the, as I said, the enemy hates losing, and the more we win in those battles daily, one at a time, the more he leaves us alone. But the more he defeats us and the more he gains victory over us, the harder he comes at us, teeth, uh, teeth showing and claws drawn. We have to change the things we want and value every day. Um, it is in, in us, he says, impossible. With God, all things are possible. Now, if I opened up the floor here, I'm sure I would hear some stories of has God taken something impossible in your life and made it possible? He's done that in mine. And I'm sure he's done that in yours on many occasions. In fact, if you know him as your Savior, he's taken the impossible and made it possible for you. You've experienced that at least once. And probably for most of us, dozens of times as, as we look at health, as we look at finances, as we look at marriage, as we look at relationships, as we look at children, as we look at a lot of things, he's taken the impossible and made it possible. And only he can do that. Those are stories that you and I have to tell about the next life, not this one. Here's why God takes the impossible and makes it possible, because he is, that's all he knows is possibility. This world is, is defeated on, on its own and is impossible in, in, in its very nature, but he takes the impossible of this world and makes the possible there possible here too. And he does that day after day, but it, it is learned disciplined behavior on our part, taking the impossible, making it possible. Fourthly, 
Transformational change begins by destroying the list, learning to listen. It's found in re- redefining our values. It is uh, in, in making the impossible possible. But fourthly, transformational change is in seeing a new order. It's in seeing a new order. Look at verse 30. But many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. First will be last, the last will be still first. There's story after story in Scripture where God reorders things. He takes the natural order of things and flips it on its ear. Uh, he did that with the flood. He reordered things with the flood. Reordered things with the earth standing still in, jo- in Joshua chapter 10. Reordered things in the furnace when they sent three in, opened the door, and there's four inside. Reordered things with the virgin birth. Reordered things with the resurrection. God takes the natural and stands, its own, stands it on itself on its ear to say, that's not the order of things of how, how I do things. And again and again, Scripture is full of story after story of reordered things. That's exactly what he's saying here. Who it would seem here would be first there, would be last there. Who it would seem would be last here, would be first there. God reorders things and wants us to see other people in our life in light of that reordering. He's, uh, he's always demonstrated that ability. And he's, as, he, as he speaks here, he's speaking here about eternity, of course. As he speaks here about eternity, he's shuffling the deck once again to say the next world is more significant than this one. And the more, as I, and I say this often, the more we can look through that lens now, the more we'll see this, this world in light of what it really is instead of what we perceived it to be. He wants us to see that world. Contrary to what our perceptions might be, uh, that world is going to be a revelating place. Um, as I thought uh, the other day about Billy Graham, hundreds of thousands of people have come to know Christ under the ministry of Billy Graham. My question for you is this, is, is his work and his ministry more significant because he's the one who offered the invitation to them? Or is it more significant that there was a mom, a grandmother, a friend, a spouse praying for them, for those, those folks who have accepted Christ in the crusade year after year? Sometimes decade after decade after decade. What's more significant? Those prayers or the invitation? God says the order of things are not going to be what you think they are. And the more we can look at a reordered, redefined life here, the more we're we're going to look like there, here, already. That reordering, we have to rethink things. I get that. I understand that. it's, it's, it's It's a process for all of us. So God sees here and will reward here, there. That's why we have to look through a longer lens than, than what, we, what we want to look at uh, oftentimes. But he says that's his lens. Consequently, he's not impressed with our size, our scope, our accumulations. He doesn't love huge churches any more than he loves small ones. He doesn't love mature believers who are impacting their world any more than he does brand new Christians who are hungry to know him. In fact, he takes the, those, the natural order, how you and I would classify significance, and says, not with me, because I look at the heart. I don't look at what, what man sees. I look at the inside, what motivates that person to do what he's done. Because, in essence, he's got all our size and scope in the palm of his hand anyway. So it's, it's, it's far greater if we see the significance he places on things and people than what we do as well. So those of us who sometimes feel like we're struggling behind the scenes in total anonymity, he sees that. He knows that, and we'll reward that accordingly. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 5. It says this, In the same way you who are, who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, because God 
opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. Humble yourselves, therefore, before God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. He's saying he sees all that. He sees those, those years and decades of prayer for those who've come to Christ. He sees the behind-the-scenes things that you've, you've invested in people and done for them and cared for them that you thought no, nobody else sees. He sees it. He gets it. He's going to reward it in its time because why? He reorders all things. And in fact, he will reorder this earth. It's going to be consumed, the scripture says, with fire, but he's going to make a brand new one that's perfect and designed like he intended this first one to be in the first place. A couple of observations as we wrap, as we wrap up, and that's this. We can't experience real transformation without experiencing change. It's impossible to be transformed without being changed. It's impossible to walk in the new order without letting the old order go, go by the wayside. He's saying here that uh, change is inevitable, and you can't see me and walk with me without changing. Now, not all change is good. Change in my in increasing my waistline, not so good. Change in my cholesterol going up, not so good. Change in my blood pressure going up, not, so, not all change is good. In fact, job loss, divorce, there's all kinds of change that we look at in this world that is just for change. No, not all change is good. But our changing from our image into his, our desires into his, our wants into his are good and necessary for us to be transformers around us. If, if change forces us to, to, to examine those places, it's a good thing. If it forces us to reassess, let me back up. It's a positive thing for us to, to go through and experience change from time to time. And as we close, I want to remind you this. God is calling each, each of us to be transformed and be transformers, to live a transformed life and be transformational, to be transformed from the inside out and live that inside-out transformation in our world to where that penetrates relationships of family and friends around us. If our goal is to blend in and live the status quo, I challenge you to find that in this book. Find that for me in this book where he wants us to blend in and, and just live the status quo. That's not what we're called to do. It's, it's time. You and I shake things up. It's time we allow some shake up around us, in us, and through us to the lives of folks that he put in our path. Because as we looked at this uh, First uh, week's commercial about the toy Transformers that came out in 1984, their, one of their taglines was, more than meets the eye. VW Beetle can become a uh, warrior, that an 18-wheeler truck can become something. There's more than meets the eye to a Transformer, and there's, that should be true about us. As people look at the outside of our life, there should be more than meets the eye there. As they look at something with just human skin on and human frailty, they should see, yes, that there's something deeper there. They, they believe something deeper than I do. They walk in a deeper place than I do. They have a different value system than I do. They raise kids different than I do. They do things, different things with their money than I do. There's something different about them and about me. They, they look the same. Their, their hair's gray. They're overweight. They're, they're struggling with the same physical frailties that I am. But there's something inside that's transformed them, something inside that's transformational about them. That, that should be true of us as people look into our lives and seek to see somebody that's been transformed and find a real transformer, somebody that can transform their life, their eternity. Uh, well, God's called us to that. I, I hope we desire that and want that. Uh, it is, it is uh, it's kind of shifty because we're going to stick out in this culture if we walk and, and talk and think and speak and relate <laughs> like Christ does. We're going to stick out in this culture. 
It's, uh, but blending in is not what he's called us to. He's called us to transform and be transformers. Let's pray.